Hey guys, Tyson here. Before we start the show, I want to let everyone know that we are looking for a sponsor. We've got some expenses coming up in the next couple months. It'd be great for somebody to help us out with that. I think if you've been listening to the show, we try to treat our sponsors pretty well. So if you are at all interested in that, get in touch with Justin or me or send us a message over on Facebook. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. So trying to widen it out from, yes, electoral politics are important. You can't do anything unless you can get Democrats elected to public office. But it's also about creating a, creating a space where people who think in similar ways can find ways to come together socially. Uh, where they can come together um, it, when they when they have problems, um, that somebody can be a, a person that can answer them. Pod B N. Okay, three, two, one. Here we go from the Play Normal Esports Studio. This is Pod B N. I am Tyson. I'm Justin. Today we are wrapping up our series of conversations with. Uh, political party heads with Eric Rankin, the chair of the McLean County Democrats. But before we get into talking to him, Justin, can you tell a little bit about our sponsor? We always want to remember our sponsor, Play Normal Esports. They let us record right in their uh, building every single time, so we appreciate them. This weekend, they're going to have a lot of things going on. On Friday, the 30th, Smash Brothers Tournament, 6 to 10 p.m., then begins their lock-in at 8 p.m. So log on to the website, playnormalesports.com, to learn more. All right. So, hey, Eric, thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Cool. So let's start off. Just tell us a little bit um, about yourself for people who don't know you. Um, maybe your your background when you came to Bloomington Normal. Sure. I came to Bloomington Normal on a snowy night on January 15th, <laughs> 1977. Um, I've been born and raised here. Okay. Um, my entire life has been spent in McLean County. Um, I was actually born and raised in the uh, county board district that I uh, eventually ended up uh, representing as well. Um, not only did I was born and raised here, but I uh, attended Illinois State University for both uh, my uh, undergraduate and my first master's degree. My second master's degree was in campaign political management from George Washington University. Um, <clears throat> and I have always been um, a citizen of McLean County. Um, I ran, for, you know, I work at Illinois State University. Um, I'm an administrator and an, uh, um, and a teacher. Uh, so I've taught in the political science department now for 17 years. My first three years were in the Carnbone Athletic Study uh, Center. Uh, I teach predominantly American government, uh, state and local government classes, and classes on political philosophy. Uh, served on the McLean County Board for 10 years. Uh, term limited myself uh, in the last election uh, just because I thought that new ideas are always better for, for government. I'm not a person who supports term limits uh, as to be forced, but I believe that the individual should know, and so I stepped down. I um, was happy to then find a new challenge in life, and that's when I ran for chair of the Democratic Party. So how is what were the things that led you to think that that was a a good thing for you to pursue. So it's a great question, and a lot of people say, well, why would you ever want to do that Yeah, that's, that's the right? more frank way of asking Yeah, question, why do you yeah. want to do that? What is wrong um, with you? We, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but why I wanted to do this job, as a person who had run for political office, um, and had spent you know, the better part of a decade operating um, as an elected Democrat, uh, I found that my local Democratic Party just was, was missing a lot of opportunities. There, there, there wasn't a lot of organization. Uh, there was some. Uh, meetings were very small. Um, there wasn't a lot of organization going on at a lot of places. And most of the candidates that ran for local office did so kind of on their own. Um, they were supported somewhat financially. But they weren't given really much direction, and so I wanted to change that. I wanted to I wanted to create a robust party structure uh, that had the ability to recruit candidates, uh, to put candidates up for local office, that had the ability to uh, raise money, um, to raise the level of what a Democrat is. I'd grown up in this community my entire life, and well, it's a Republican, you know, it's a Republican community, um, but I'm a Democrat, and and it was always I, I never saw anybody wear a Democratic. Party T-shirt. I never saw anybody, um, you know, openly profess that they were a Democrat. And so I don't know if I needed my head examined, but I wanted to be the guy that changed that. So I saw, uh, from my from my perspective, when you served on the county board, you were very much a person that 
we could look at it going across the aisle, working a lot with Republicans, getting things accomplished on the county level. So to go from that role on the county board to a role where you're now the head cheerleader of the Democratic Party and you got to really be the leader and everybody's following you on what kind of ideas are going to be forced, how has that changed and how have you worked with dealing with that? Yeah, that's, I mean, anybody that goes from a, a position as, yes, an elected partisan, but an elected partisan that still represents, uh, I, you know, I, I had a constituency that was still more statistically Republican than they were Democrat. So when I spoke for District 9, I didn't just speak for Democrats. I had to speak for Republicans as well. Um, I was a member of, uh, in my last term, was the, was the least number of Democrats that I had when I was on the county board. Um, you know, we'd always joke that there were 15 Republicans, four Democrats, and Paul Segoviano. Um, but the, in that situation, I mean, trying to get trying to get anything done with you know, there's a there's an there's a minority, and then there is what we were. Um, we had to work with our Republican colleagues. We didn't have the ability to 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 see things to see things any other way. Um, I actually enjoyed it. Um, many of my, and I think you'd find if you sat down and talked to a lot of the people that served with me during that time, they'd say probably pretty favorable things about me. Is that yes, we had differences of opinion, but we could always find common ground on plenty of things. And the places where we couldn't find any common ground, but we just left that alone, and we'd we'd pick other issues that we could be successful with. What's something you did when you were on the board that you're particularly proud of? So the the. Probably the number one reason that I ran for the McLean County Board when I ran in 2008, um, you know, contrary to popular belief, uh, you know, a lot of people who think about local governments are like, well, you always wanted power. And like, power, I'm on the county board. You know, 90% of this community has no clue what it does or that it even exists. Uh, when I ran, it was because there was a developer in my community, um, very close to where I live, that wanted to, wanted to land a gravel pit about 300 feet from the front door of an elementary school. I thought justifiably that that was preposterous, went to a couple of meetings, was one of the loudest you know, voices in the room, and it wasn't even my kid's school, it's just this was in my neighborhood, um, and thought that this was a terrible idea. Um, so a couple of the people that were there said, you know, you should run for public office. And I'm like, uh, what? Um, talked to a couple of my students and they all said the same thing. I said, well, I'll do it if you all help me. Um, and so when I ran, the one thing that I wanted to see done was to defeat the Fox Creek gravel pit. Um, and within the first five months of my term on the McLean County Board, we had defeated the Fox Creek Gravel Pit. Um, now, George Gordon gave me probably one of the best pieces of advice just after that meeting where it got defeated. He says, good job. What are you going to do for the other three and a half years? Mm -hmm. um, and that was a great question. Um, I had come, f uh, you know, I, I had been successful in the one thing legislatively I wanted to see done. But there were a ton of other things that I wanted to do. Um, and so... That was then a process over the next 10 years of attempting to try and move the McLean County Board out of what I would call the the, the doldrums of analog thinking um, and move them towards a more digital climate of trying to get candidates, or not candidates, but trying to see, I can't even stop thinking about it being a chair now, uh, trying to get county board members to start taking their packets um, digitally so we could reduce our footprints you know, um, uh, on the uh, environment. I wanted to... Um, I really wanted to work to streamline. It was funny that when I ran, a couple of the things that I said in the first two elections that I ran in, I wanted to shrink the size of local government. And it was really hard for, like, Republicans. They're like, wait, what? But you're a Democrat. I said, yeah, but we have some positions that are really stupid, right? <laughs> we should get rid of the auditor's office. Uh, and at the time, I had actually said I wanted to get rid of the recorder of deeds. Um, and I was the one that pushed really hard to get the recorder of deeds on the ballot to have it to have the office eliminated. And luckily, we were very successful at doing that. The recorder of deeds office was eliminated uh, and was dropped into the functionality of the county clerk's office, uh, saving taxpayer dollars, streamlining governments, and and nobody has ever batted an eye since. That's just a few of the things. Good Lord, ten years. I probably I forgot half of the good things that I did. Yeah. Anything? Any regrets? Yeah, of actually not being successful at getting them all to be to switch to a digital environment. Yeah. Um, I worked really hard, but I mean, if if you go to a county board meeting and you take a look at the members that are on the McLean County Board, you'll you'll notice a fairly consistent theme of uh, you know it, it's it's made up of a lot of people who are mature. 
uh, were a little long in the tooth, and so switching to an all-digital environment was really difficult. Um, I'll tell you my single most, somebody had asked me, a reporter had asked me, uh, you know, you're no longer going to be on the McLean County Board. You know, what you know, what are you, what's your biggest accomplishment? And then they answered the question like, so is it the expansion of the jail? And I went, are you kidding me? That's the worst vote that I ever had to take. We needed to expand the jail simply because the jail was inadequate in the way that it was built. It didn't it didn't have appropriate facilities for women. It didn't have appropriate facilities for uh, people with mental issues. Um, you know, um, and so we needed to have a facility that was better, but. Doubling the size of your of your jail is not something that made me happy. I wish, I wish my community never had to be put in that situation. Yeah. So, so then um, coming into being chair, then you said you had some of those goals. How do you? And that was um, remind me when that was. When so I came in chair? in twenty eighteen, eighteen, no, seventeen. Holy crap, eighteen. Um, and April eighteen. And, uh, no? No, I think yes. it must have been 17, right? Was it 17? Yeah. Holy Christmas. <laughs> no, because it, it was right after it was it was eight it was eighteen. It was it was in April of eighteen. It's a two year term, so I'm up again oh, in, okay. in April of twenty twenty. And who was chair before you? Chair before me was John Penn. Uh, John Penn had served for thirty four years as I am actually the to our records, I'm the third Democratic Party chair since the JFK administration. Oh, really? Which um, So you got thirty years left? Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Again, I believe in terms limits and I will be long gone before that's the case. Okay, so that, um, yeah, I recalled that being like closer to the 2016 election mm-hmm. than it was really, um, but it was sort of that year of figuring out in 2017, mm-hmm. I guess that we I didn't announced really... in 2017 that okay. I was going to be running for chair. Yeah, that was when, um, like, maybe the, the lack of infrastructure that we had locally really became apparent to those who had a passion for, um, you know, that had been activated by losing the national election yep. and we're trying to find ways to get involved and Certainly. it's hard to figure out exactly what that meant right yeah um and that was contested right you and um yep. and was it yeah, pat cortezzi patrick cortezzi ran um dorothy dini was in the race for okay. a very long time yeah. up until the last couple of days where she pulled her name out of contention yeah so that's um so not not only you know 35 years uh but then also like a contested race yep. showing that energy there yep. with that okay um, so, um, so what's, what do you think's gone, gone well, according to what your wishes were? Well, it's pretty hard not to look at the positives that McLean County has had. So I'll run kind of just through a kind of a sampling of kind of our greatest hits. Since, um, since uh, the very few times you'll hear me say my administration, I despise the fact I'll never hear any person in a position of authority start to take, uh, start to take all of the credit for doing what was done. Um, since I was elected and and working with people to get people put in places uh, of that where they could be the most effective, um, we have had our single most successful um, election ever in McLean County's history in terms of getting Democrats elected. We have set records for fundraising, not just from a sheer dollar sign total, but from a monthly sustaining donorship. Um, we now have the single largest Democratic headquarters in the state of Illinois, uh-huh. uh, well over 4,000 square feet. When we have other people come in, the executive director of the Illinois De- Democratic County Chairs Association came in, um, and sh- her jaw was on the ground when she saw the facility that we had. So And downtown to boot. Thank, and you, downtown, thank you for that. We love downtown. That. We that was a that was a desire was to be there. We wanted to be stay part of the community, um, and I think that we even had to prove to some of our downtown partners. Right, a lot of the downtown businesses just want more businesses down there, um, and what they saw was is that the Democratic Party brings hundreds of people through its facility, and guess what? They like coffee. They really enjoy chocolate, and they like to buy other things and go out and have a drink. So it's been, we've been a really good partner uh, for downtown Bloomington. So that's been a huge success for us. Um, Honestly, there is no place where we haven't been successful yet. Mm -hmm. And what has been particularly surprising to you about it? Um, You know, I'll be honest with you. I I was surprised as as to how hard this job was. Um, I, I I, I don't know if I came into it thinking it would be easy. I don't know if I really had any expectations because um, I didn't, I didn't have any 
people that I talked to that had been chair before. I mean, I, I, John Penn and I are friends, um, and John Penn supported me in my election. Um, John didn't know what to do with the level of um, with the level of Democrats that had come out in McLean County, and not just the level, but the kind of Democrats that were coming out of McLean County. Um, being a party that was very much the traditional labor-centered Democratic Party, this was a whole new. This was a whole new mess. It was a hyper. Um, Collegiate based, it was progressive, Social, um, socially based, very yeah. socially based. So they didn't really know what to do with those numbers, uh, and so that was, you know, that was that was a challenge coming in for me. That wasn't really hard. I mean, I, as being a college professor, I knew what to do with the college uh, college Dems. Um, Progressives are Democrats. You know, they're not nearly as hard to. Um, I, the, the problem is, is you, you don't corral progressives, right? Um, progressives don't seek to be controlled, um, and I think party chairs that have struggled the most with them uh, have been because they've they've kicked them off to the side. Um, you just have to find a way for everybody in the party to to be able to fill a role. Yeah. So what are what are those main groups that you see in the local Democratic Party? Yeah, we're all over the place. My God, we are made up of tons of little fiefdoms that exist all over the place. Um, college Democrats, and not just uh, you know, it's not just a yeah Illinois State University. It's Illinois State University, Illinois Wesleyan. It's a growing group of, uh, of students that are getting involved at Heartland Community College. Um, it's trying to work with the um, the progressives that are in town. Um, it's trying to work with other social groups. It's trying to connect next to groups that have been there before but haven't been traditionally courted by um, the Democratic Party, the Black Lives Matter, the NAACP. And new um, ones like Indivisible. Indivisible or, was, yeah. was central to our success. Um, and it was interesting because in a lot of other county chairs that I talked to, when we did, you know, they'd be like, oh, what are you doing with your Indivisible folks? Like, they were a big problem in other, in other counties. Oh, really? In ours, our Indivisible was fantastic, was the lifeblood of our community and delivered a lot of the people that ended up being part of leadership, Kay Moss, uh, Patrick Cortezzi, who works as my communications director, Nikita Richards, who uh, who ran for uh, county clerk. Okay, for people who aren't familiar with Indivisible, can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's an organization that um, that that popped up in the aftermath uh, of 2016. Um, it was a group that organized um, to be able to put together um, a plan uh, to kind of counteract what what they were feeling from Trump's election. Um, many of these indivisible groups um, went to work uh, organizing themselves, getting like-minded people. Um, they had to be able to, sometimes some of the party organizations in the state of Illinois, specifically downstate, um, just couldn't get with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they started to do research into what is it to be, you know, a force. How do, you know, here ours locally were really in- interested in organizing to unseat Rodney Davis and um, Darren LaHood. Um, that was their that was their prime directive when they came out. Um, and, and since then, um, a lot of them have ended up running for public office themselves. They've gotten really involved because I think we're really good partners here in McLean County. Yeah, I think I, I recall it being framed as there's a lot of things that the Tea Party learned about mm-hmm. effective advocacy in terms of how do you what is the most effective way to contact your representative? Yep. Um, how do you encourage um, town halls and market them in a way that is most effective and getting your message across and uh, just kind of like the basics of political engagement? Mm-hmm. Um, I found those. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd consider myself like a, a member of that, but I have to say I read a lot of the materials coming out of it, mm-hmm. and I have found those to be to be very helpful. They're yeah. publicly available. It's not like a yeah. secret, right? You can yeah. read the Indivisible Handbook, yep. and it works no matter what you're trying to do. If you're trying to, you know, interact constructively with your local um, city council candidate, the, you know, writing them a letter is a great way to do that. Absolutely. Calling them is a great way to do that. Maybe Absolutely. That stuff, so. And it gave a group of people that found some success by organizing through Indivisible, it gave them kind of a, all right, you enjoyed that. What's next? From from I also saw it was what might have been the difference between McLean County and other places where they might have felt threatened by indivisible or didn't know how to handle indivisible. It seemed like in McLean County, uh, the Democrats said, "Hey, you guys are awesome. Can you help us?" Yeah. Instead of how can we 
shape you and how can we put our influence on you? Mm-hmm. You said we have the same ideals. We, I think that what we do as Democrats sometimes we – this is I think is a politics 101 is that we, we tend to create our own problems. Um, rather than finding out what are the things that unite us and how can we work together, some people tend to – and this is a this is a business where ego plays way too much of a role. And there are certain people that don't like that these people who came out of nowhere are all of a sudden trying to call shots. And I've been here for 25, 30 years. Who are you to tell me? And the answer shouldn't have been – you know, shouldn't have been an ego. It should have been a, hey, that's great that you want to get involved. We want you to be involved. Um, and so I think you're right. I think that that is what happened here in McLean County that didn't happen throughout the rest of the state. Wow. Well, it, like the ego, I, I think, is a good point. Um, I, I quote the, I think, it, I think it was Truman. I was just trying to look it up real quick. Um, where if you don't care who gets credit, you mm-hmm. get a lot done. Yeah. I'm probably butchering that, but that's the, that's the essence of the quote. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's in political parties the same way. Yeah. Um, Without a doubt. And it has been the single, I think I had an ego, to be honest with you, prior to becoming chair. I think it has gotten <laughs> fractured and just bit. destroyed. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it's tough because almost any decision is that you make, you know, there's got to be groups of people that, well, you should have done this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Where were you when I needed that? Did some help with that. Um, so, what do you what do you think your role? I asked this of Connie Beard too. What do you think your role as chair is, especially in a growing party and mm-hmm. such a diverse party that the local Democrats have become? So, I this is this is actually a really cool question because it's morphed. I, I really did. And I listened to Connie's uh, interview with you, and, and this is a great place where she and I tend to share a lot of um, share a lot of responses. Um, when I came into it, the the, the the sole focus as the academic in me would have been to get Democrats elected to to public office, right? Specifically locally, um, not state and not, yes, we're, we assist state and federal, but our focus as a county party is on county, county government. Um, but it did morph into something bigger. It morphed into trying to create... Uh, an atmosphere by designing values and principles. Uh, we had an incredible set of values and principles that were uh, written by Dr. Sally Pancrazio, um, who I adore, and she did a great job, and we were able to put those into our bylaws uh, in January of 2019 um, that showed people what we as a party actually think and believe. Um, so trying to widen it out from, yes, Electoral politics are important. You can't do anything unless you can get Democrats elected to public office. But it's also about creating a creating a space where people who think in similar ways can find ways to come together socially, uh, where they can come together um, it, when they when they have problems. Um, that somebody can be a, a person that can answer them. Government's kind of daunting sometimes, and it's super complex for a lot of people, and so they don't feel comfortable going and asking a person for for some information. Information. But they know now that there's a, this whole other organization that exists that can help me out with some things. And so it was really broadening kind of the perspective of what the party's all about. Yes, it's about getting candidates elected, and I will still say that that's the primary responsibility of the party. But it's also recruiting candidates. It's also um, expanding the brand, um, letting people know what that what that uh, that D stands for and what it is that, you know, it means. Um, and so that's stuff that we're continuing to work on. What are the what are your thoughts on how the national scene relates to the local scene? You, you mentioned that kind of in passing there, yep. but I'd like to hear a little more about that. Yeah, so from a national perspective, um, you know, I think that there are people that would like to say, well, the national should matter. You're, you're the chair of a local county party. Um, sure. And the reason that most people are super engaged and want to get involved with the local party is because they're either really really happy, not right now, um, but really, or really angry. Um, if you had seen, so I was a member of the McLean County Democratic Party at a time period where I went to meetings and every so often there was like five of us there. Um, and, and my favorite meeting was one where there was two of us in the crowd and the only other people there were the people that were on the stage. And that wasn't really, un, you know, George Gordon used to joke that, you know, we could all fit in a phone booth, which actually shows how old George Gordon is and he knows about phone booths. Um, but we just weren't very big. And then after Donald Trump gets elected, I remember that very first meeting after he gets elected, all of a sudden the room has 150 people in it. And all of a sudden it was 
what the heck do we do? So the national fueled the local interest. It really did. I mean, people didn't flock to the party because they didn't like Bruce Rauner. Um, we didn't like Bruce Rauner, but it was really the, the, the average person was coming to the party because of some very extreme dislike of the national scene. It's, it, it's funny how, like, what, what did all those people show up just thinking, man, I didn't do enough? Like, or, or were they people that knew nothing, didn't even yep. vote and look at the TV the next morning and go, ah, oh, crap? Like, you know? I think it's. It, I think there was a lot of shame. Um, now, if you're a Democrat in the state of Illinois, there should have been no shame. I mean, this state went 16 percentage points for Hillary Clinton. Sure. That wasn't the case. But could I have donated a little bit more? Could I have called up my friends and relatives who lived in Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania and said, hey, make sure you get to the polls today? I don't know what that reason was. Yeah. But when people feel despondent, um, whether it was shame, whether it was guilt, whether it was fear. I think it was, honestly, I think it was all of those things. Yeah. I mean, I sat with, uh, it was Andrew Matthews, Carlo Robustelli, myself. Uh, we sat there that night of that, you know, of that election um, at the Democrats' uh, election night party, and my jaw was on the floor. There were not very many Democrats at the election night party. But the next meeting had like 15 times the number of people that were... Sometimes, right, uh, Naomi Watts, or Naomi Klein, um, Naomi Watts, uh, Naomi Klein wrote a really good book called The Shock Doctrine. And sometimes we tend not to react to something until something deeply shocking actually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was our shock moment. Um, And so Democrats just, you know, oh my goodness. And I think that the way they were shocked then, if they had only known what he was to become, uh, you know, our pseudo-authoritarian, you know, uh, president, I think that it, I think things would have been very different. So what do you think of the Republicans and the Trump supporters that think, you know, yeah, his tactics aren't aren't great, but he gets stuff done. And what the, I know you don't agree with the stuff that, that, that they agree with, but they're moving their agenda. He's moving their agenda along, even though he's, a, you know, can't speak properly and all that. Getting stuff done equals undoing things that other presidents, including President Bush, had done. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump really hasn't done anything. He's undone a lot of things. Um, And the things that he has done have not bared any sort of fruit that the average Republican should be even remotely okay with. I have friends who, for the life of me, Republicans, uh, good friends, who have said, oh, my God, I'm so concerned about debt and deficit issues. These are terrible things. And then you have a president who gets elected who is supposed to be a conservative who comes in and explodes the debt and deficit even greater. How you have any credibility with the conservatives um, is beyond me. But a few things that he – I so I'll, I'll even contradict myself. The few things that he has done, he did deliver to them very conservative justices for the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a place where and no no liberal should be And surprised. not just the Supreme Court. Right. He's filled more court positions. Absolutely. And that's something that that's something that really the Democrats are this is a generational problem. Yeah. I mean, Neil Gorsuch and, and 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 Kavanaugh are not young men. They're going to be on that court as the, you know, as the patron saint of conservatism for another 30 plus years. Um, and, the, and the Democrats, you know, the Democratic Party and liberals are going to we're going to have to find some sort of a way to counteract that because the liberal voices that are on. We've even seen in the in the media recently as another story of RBG with, you know, um, having issues with with cancer. I mean, this is a this is a. You take one more liberal off of that, and there is no balance in this country anymore when it comes time to legislative balance. Yeah. Or judicial. Judicial. Yeah. Um, So let's bring it back down to local a little bit, even though national is really fun to talk about. I don't know if I'd say fun. (laughs) There's plenty of material. Plenty of material. Absolutely. Let's talk about locally then. Um, A decision that the Democratic Party made was about um, supporting candidates for nonpartisan elections Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. the municipal races. Can you talk a little bit about that thought process? I was really hoping you'd forget all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is an area that I personally, um, I, I, I struggled a lot with. Um, I took the I took marching orders from our uh, elected um, and appointed precinct committee people um, as we built our bylaws. Um, we gave 
we gave nod to the way that the law is written that nonpartisan races are to remain nonpartisan. Um, what we did was said that um, uh, we would not endorse and we did not endorse any candidates. Um, there were certain candidates that we supported. We asked that if they, um, you know, if they defined themselves or they agreed with the values and principles of the McLean County Democratic Party, we would allow them to, um, to you know, to, to use some things that we had, but we weren't giving them any money. We weren't, uh, you know, we didn't expect for them to go out and say, I'm a Democrat. Um, the system as it's designed, um, Nonpartisan races are there for a reason, uh, and municipal races are supposed to be nonpartisan. Now, while the races are nonpartisan and the offices are nonpartisan, does that mean that the individual sitting in the office is nonpartisan? W without a doubt, no. There's not a single person in this county that thinks that Terry Renner isn't a Democrat, right? He served on the McLean County Board as a Democrat. He ran for Congress as a Democrat. But the office that he currently serves in as mayor is a nonpartisan um, office. And so, therefore, the political parties really, in my estimation, should stay out of these things. What do you see as being the reason why it's nonpartisan? Yeah, so I know that his, from a historical standpoint, you know, keeping it nonpartisan, the idea was is that that partisanship tended to muddy the waters in terms of what a, what a candidate thinks. The implications of what political parties do tend not to be so specific when it comes down to local issues. <laughs> what, well stated. what does a sewer care right. about partisan? And last time I checked, neither the Democrats or Republicans had a plank in the, their parties about sewer maintenance. Um, these are things that tend to be a, a lot more... Um, you know, very local-based. And practical. And practical. Yeah. And so parties really ought to stay out of it. Now, I, I really do agree that political parties, at the end of the day, they do provide voters with um, kind of this prepackaged, well, I already kind of know how this person thinks. Um, so it's easy. But it's also a little too easy, right? I mean, and that's, you have to do some work in local, you know, mm -hmm. in nonpartisan elections. You really have to go and you have to go out, which is why we see that, turnout plummets in these elections, not only because we put them in April when nobody wants to go and, you know, to because you're knocking on doors in February. Yeah, because who wants to come and answer the door in February? So I think there are clearly some structural problems that we have, but I think that I think they should stay the way that they are. I'm I'm very happy that we didn't get more involved than we should in them. And, and believe me, I took some heat. Um, some people are like, why did you let all these people run in the town of Normal? I'm like, well, I don't let anybody run because it's a nonpartisan. It's a nonpartisan election, and anybody that wanted to run had the ability to run. Yeah. That's not something that the Democratic Party chair stepped in and said, no, I don't think you should do this. There is some benefit to the party, I understand, from um, like a data collection standpoint. Yeah. That if you give. Um, if you give the candidates access to the database, then you get the benefit of the doors they knock. Yep. You kind of get some info there, Absolutely. too. So there's there's a point to be made for the good of the, the yep. overall party. Absolutely. Um, that just benefited our candidates when yeah. we come around into the next election cycle. So, yeah. So did you, um, for Bloomington and Normal, did you have, um, you had races where both where competitors both signed yeah. that pledge, Yeah, right? without a doubt. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's, listen, I'm assuming that every every chair would say that primaries are the most uncomfortable things that exist in the history of politics. Mm -hmm. um, this is just built-in family family squabbles, um, and somebody's going to be somebody's going to be hurt. Somebody's going to be upset. But I see the, the primaries, especially in the Democratic Party, being even more. Um, cutthroat. Yeah. Because the party seems to be widening. Sure. Uh, the spectrum's longer, um, national and local both. I mean, it, it start, it's easier to explain on a national level, sure. but we're seeing it at a local level, too. Yeah. Where, um, and Democrats and progressives always have a history of being the ones that are the activists and the, you know, and now there's that line of where you're an activist and where you're a yep. politician sure. and elected official. And where, how, do you, how do you bring that together? How do you, <laughs> I mean, we've seen on a local level people go head to head um, on issues and then, you know, have a cookout together. Right. And it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you, so how do you keep a party together when it's that spread? So let's take a, let's take a quick break here since Eric specifically said he didn't really want to talk about that. <laughs> so we'll give you a Saved. quick, we'll give you a couple Saved minutes. Saved by the sponsors. No, no. Give you a couple minutes to, during the sponsor break to gather your thoughts and then we'll, we'll come back to that question. Sounds great.
take this opportunity to thank our other sponsor, which is Normal Gadgets, smartphone, tablet, game phone system, watch and laptop, fixer-uppers. They do everything. Same building as Play Normal Esports. If you have a gadget that needs fixed, come to Normal Gadgets. All right, we are back with Eric. Then, so following up before, what are your? How do you um, keep a party together through a, a primary, Eric? You know, at the end of the day, it's. I think you do the best that you possibly can. You support. Um, you kind of step back as a party and say, "Hey, everybody's going to have a different, a different viewpoint. Um, we can't support one candidate over the other." Um, and that's currently what we're doing for the presidential. Um, there are, I mean, I think that there are some caveats to that. Um, what happens when you have a Democrat that doesn't agree with the values and principles uh, of the McLean County Democratic Party the way that it is, uh, the way it's constructed? Um, then that becomes a little bit more difficult. And I think that was the Shana Wachinski and Paul Segabiano race that we okay. saw um, in, 20, in 2018 um, very clearly. you know, So the party itself didn't come out in support uh, of one or the other. Uh, Shana used all the auspices of, of the party that was available to, to member Segobiano as well. He just didn't take any advantage of that. Um, and when you don't take advantage of help, that's why you know you end up losing 70-30 um, is because the party had just moved past him. The party didn't agree with his his vision of what a Democrat truly was. So uh, what I, going back to our conversation with Connie Beard, she said there is no litmus test to be a Republican, uh, but I believe she called it a moral thing and she tied abortion <laughs> into it, um, saying that you know if you're um, not pro-life, then you're that's kind of their test. Yeah. Is there equivalent to that on the Democratic side? Like, if I don't believe in universal health care, am I out of the Democratic Party? Or, you know, is there is there one issue that you guys kind of hold no, for as I mean, a moral or litmus test? It's a good question. I mean, locally, it's the values and principles of the McLean County Democratic Party. Those are printed. Those are those are out there for any of our candidates uh, who are running. Now, let's say that there's a candidate that's running for public office. Let's say that that's a candidate that's going to maybe be serving in the county. Maybe it's a county board candidate that's looking, you know, out towards Towards the Shinoa area, um, where that person might be, might be an avid hunter or a sportsman that, right, that right. believes that you know maybe they're just a little bit different when it comes time to gun laws. That doesn't mean that that person is no longer a Democrat. It just means, right, that this person is slightly out of norm um, with with the way that the Democratic Party thinks. Now, that doesn't mean that Democrats don't have plenty of people that you know that that, that support you know firearm ownership. Right. Um, there, there really is no litmus test, at least in that respect. But if you do tend to, you know, if you tend to say that uh, it's kind of more of an aggregate, um, every candidate has, I think, has some very specific flaws that maybe the general party doesn't like. Um, but that's then left up to Democratic voters to decide. Um, that's why we have elections. Yeah. So one of the big things that you see. Again, this is a national thing, but it's the socialism, capitalism thing yeah. with some very strong rhetoric, mm-hmm. uh, especially from the, the Democratic Party. Um, so similar question that Justin yeah. just asked. Like, if I if I see some merits in, in free market applications or capitalism, does that mean I can't be a Democrat? God, no. Um, the vast majority of Democrats believe in capitalism. Um, that th- that doesn't mean that the that there aren't a good chunk of Democrats that, that believe in socialism or some aspects of communism. I mean, there certainly are. The United States has been successful because we are a mishmash of political ideologies. Um, We don't tend to cleave and adhere to one specifically. Um, Republicans howl and they're lazy when they use these these terms socialists because what they really mean is bad. Um, They mean, you know, but it's interesting though that so many of those people who also then say that socialism is terrible are also then drawing social security or their grandparents are on Medicare um, or they're a farmer and they're receiving subsidies for their for their crops, mm-hmm. um, or their dad was uh, in the military, or um, their or their president is ordering companies to leave a leave China, right? right? Giving them a giving them a directive. I yeah. did see the right. county Republicans speak out against that. Oh, that's good. I did. That's that's nice that's to hear. Principal I did position. not see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so those are those are things that I mean I I hate that concept. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a big problem that we have in this country. There are elements of socialism that do exist in the United States, and those. 
those have been actually very popular and very successful. Mm -hmm. um, does that mean that we're a pure socialist economy? We are not in any way, shape, or form, and all it takes is a person is five minutes um, in a political uh, philosophy um, textbook to read and go, oh, wow, we don't have complete government control of, you know, uh, of all economic interests. Oh, I guess we can't be socialists. And we're not, but we have socialist tendencies, and we, we very much do. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked about this in class often when students say, you know, when they talk about, yeah, I don't like socialism, but you do like going to the drinking fountain when you leave class, and you're probably pretty happy that when you took a drink out of there, you weren't worried about getting brain-eating parasites. Well, what? Yeah, because when you drink your water, you feel confident that somebody somewhere somehow is making sure that this water is looked at and is taken care of and is safe for you. I said safe for us to mix formula, to give to our babies. These are things that government does and are those socialist programs. Yes, we're taking a little bit from you to redistribute that around to But I never drink a drinking fountain. Never, right? <laughs> never, right? I only drink Avion, right, at all times. That's yeah. French. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Oh, sorry, country. sorry. Another socialist country. <laughs> Dang it! I can't even get this right. No, and I think that yeah. that's that's a place that we've really got to do a better job on. But it's listen, it's it's a talking point, and it's it's a lazy talking point that works really well for Republicans. Since we're we're talking about socialism, I'm going to bring up medicine just because I, I I want to ask you this question. Do you where do you think the needle is on? You know, do you think that's coming very quickly um, in, in in our country? The universal uh, yeah. health care. Do you think, I, I, in my perspective, it seems like moderates are coming around to the idea. It seems like even some of my Republican friends going, you know, it's this, this issue, there's enough drive behind it. It's going to happen. We just got to figure out a way to make it so it's palatable for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from a, help, from a pure healthcare perspective, experience is a, is a pretty amazing tool. And when a person experiences a massive problem with the, the amount of money that you spend, I mean, take a look at your paycheck and see how much money you're paying into health insurance, um, how much you're using that health insurance, or go to get prescription drugs um, and find out that, oh, you know, this just happened to me. I went to the doctor. He said, hey, for the first time, we wanted to, wanted to put you on this medication. Oh, by the way... It's not in a generic form yet, so your insurance company might have some problems with it. The insurance company had a problem with it to the tune of it would have costed me $1,500 every three months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I went, and I have good, I have, this, I have the state of Illinois health insurance because I'm an employee at Illinois State University. What is a person who doesn't have good health insurance? They get sick and they continue to be sick. So that experience from people in my world who have good insurance start to go, Hey, there's a real problem here. And I think it's the more personal. Uh, it's happening more often, which is making it more personal for more people. Sure. Right? So I had a friend that was, um, he, he is a Republican, and was against universal health care until he himself got sick. Sure. <laughs> and he's like, weird. Well, there's the experience. Exactly. Right? right? And it was the same situation. He had to be put on medication that would have cost him several thousand dollars every couple months. Yep. Um, and now he's like, well, maybe I was wrong. I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe. but yeah. but but we either experience that ourselves, or more people are experiencing a friend or family member that's going Certainly. through a similar situation, and that's making it more palatable to do something. About. I think the hook will be in you know the devil will be in the details. Yeah. It's the how, and I think that you're seeing the Democrats really struggle with this. Is it a complete Medicare for all, or is this this weird hybrid of well, if your if your employer's insurance is good, then we'll let you keep that. So I think the Democrats are still kind of having that out as to what it is. And Here's what I struggle with 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 politics in general, um, and now I'm just kind of having a, a conversation with a political scientist. So I apologize for getting <laughs> off the chair a little bit, but but it's it's the Republicans are against it, knowing that probably something's going to happen, but they're just waiting to see what the Democrats come up with to yep. bash it. Sure. When what could happen is they could come up with a plan on their own. Um, that the only that part that I'm to the only part I'm going to push back on you on is that they already did come up with a plan of their own. It's called Obamacare. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, it was written it by the Heritage much, Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. It was put into practice by Mitt Romney, not what anybody's going to call a bastion of the left, right? And then when it came up to be a national program, all of a sudden it's like, no, no, that's terrible. That's horrible. That's socialized yeah. medicine. It's like, yeah. wait, when the Heritage Foundation wrote it, you didn't tend to, to lose your mind about it. But this is where 
contemporary politics gets into play. And this is where we can use convenient talking points. Big government's bad, and right, big government is going to cost you all this. And so as soon as people start to latch onto that, then they're like, well, Obamacare is terrible. I mean, it was funny. I don't know if you ever saw the, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel that went around, you know, had a microphone right. in people's right. face, ask him, do you support the ACA or do you support Obamacare? And people yeah. are like, oh, Obamacare is terrible. Mm. What about, I like the ACA. It's like, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the messaging that we use. And, um, and Democrats are terrible at that historically. Absolutely. Um, I We're... Mean, we're the party of nuance. Yeah. Republicans are the party of black and white. They've always been. What do you think about guns? Yes. <laughs> what do you think about abortion? No. Right? Democrats, this is why we lose people so often is that we end up having to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the average attention span of a lot of people isn't overly long. And even why they probably got Trump elected last yes. cycle is because not uh, most Republicans I know were against Trump winning yeah. that, that primary. But as soon as they did, it was Trump. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, why? It, it wasn't. Because he's not Hillary. Yeah. yeah. And, and okay, I, I, I understand that, but he doesn't, but you disagree with him in so many different places. But and they simplified the message enough that it works. And I think that's, uh, to, to your point, that's what is. happens is that we, we overcomplicate yep. what we're trying to do as Democrats and they oversimplify what they're trying to do. And most people don't pay attention to politics nope. as much as we like it. So you have to have that simple message. And, Which and that's hurts. What, yeah. yeah. And that, on the healthcare thing. Every country does it a little different. Yep. Every Western country does it a yep. little different. And so there's Every a wide variety a of things to choose from as far as what we would implement. Yeah. And would love to talk about those policy things. And Yeah. Um, I, I ultimately want the country to be successful. And so I continue to try to be um, – I'm a pretty nonpartisan person in general. So when the Republicans had control and they're like, we want to talk about health care, I'm like, okay. I'm going to hold out some hope. Maybe there will be something good. You know, like I'm really unhappy with the current situation, so let's see what we can do better. Yeah. It's just we just want to dismantle Obamacare. Yeah. And that was one. That was just profoundly disappointing to me. It's like you had an opportunity to do something great. You had an opportunity to have a plan that actually made things better. And, like, and instead, you just, instead you just want to destroy it. It was, it was very but, and, upsetting to me. And that continued into Trump's presidency, right? That's the thing that we were talking about yeah. earlier is that there hasn't been a lot that he did. All he did was tear down what had been done before. And if, if that's what you want to hang your hat on, okay. We also saw Pete, the Democrats attack Joe Biden for Obamacare at yes. the last debate, yeah. which I sure. thought was ridiculous. I mean, you can you can argue it's not a great plan. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and I would argue that I wasn't a huge fan of Obamacare. I didn't think that it yeah. – I didn't think it went far enough in a lot of places. Yeah, sure. But – it moved the needle. In politics, this is the thing that I, I talk to my students about this all the time. Change is a very, and I always use this as the example. I said, you ever jumped in the shower and you jump in and it's super hot, right? You jump right back out because too much change from a, from a temperate you know, climate to, in your bathroom to a super scalding hot shower. I said, but if you get in the shower and you turn it up and you turn it up, and you turn it up, and you're eventually going to get to the place that you wanted to be. But it takes a little bit longer. Change for the sake of change and doing it overnight. Our country really does have some pretty serious backlash to, I want this, and so let's go here, right? Sure. I'm, a, I'm a big fitness enthusiast. I had this uh, one client that I was training. She came in. She said, I want to lose 50 pounds in four weeks. Said, wow. So what? what do I do? I said, cut off your left leg. I was say <laughs> and she Which looked at me, way? right? She looked at me like, what? And I said, that's just not how weight loss happens. It is a it is a process. And that's how we in the country are too. We can't fix the environment like this. It's gonna have to be. That's why we're seeing a Trump presidency and that we're we're in such peril is that Every month, every year is one less year that we have to try and counteract. We, we can't move the needle in one night. Let's bring it back. Please, bring it back I, locally. I, I had the fear this was going to happen because I like talking <laughs> to Eric about politics, and yeah. so we just kind of went off there. So I, got my, I got my agenda here. Right. Like I always say. Not agenda, but I got bring my list back. of questions bring me we back. can jump on. So let's bring that down locally, though. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you say you want to talk about issues. Connie said the same thing when we talked yeah. to her. She's like, I want it to be about issues. I don't want to be about negativity. I don't want to be about name-calling. So... Um, what do you think we can do better locally here to try to to try to achieve that at least here with McLean County? Yeah, I mean, so from from our standpoint, um, you know, I get that question a lot. You know, somebody says, "Well, what would you do differently that the Republicans aren't already doing on the McLean County Board?" I said, "Well, listen, the people that have the um, that have the values and principles that the McLean County Party does, and the members that we have on that on that council." 
would be very different. Um, you'd see different conversations and different focuses on things such as opioids, um, in terms of policing, um, in terms of the county jail. It doesn't mean that we still wouldn't. The Republicans are having those conversations as well. But they're the ones that control the narrative. They control the direction. They control who sits on committees. They control the agenda and things that we vote on. Those are we don't even get any. We have to. We basically operate in their world. So things that we would you know obviously love to see change. Right, having questions about um, race and racism that is still you know inherent within McLean County. Um, it is it is real here in this community, and we're not having conversations about that. We're not doing it at the county level. Um, think of it from the standpoint of how little interaction we truly see from our local uh, from our local bodies. When I was on the county board, we had at least two. It hasn't been done for quite some time now where the county board sat down with the Bloomington City Council and the Normaltown Council and we had collective conversations. Put all of the people in the same room to say, hey, what's working? What's not working? What could we do? What are ways that we could work together? Um, and so, you know, those are just a couple of things that I'd like to see differently. I'd love to see different funding op- uh, you know, options for, um, for solid waste management programs, um, really trying to come to some sort of uh, um, an understanding of what we're doing now with the McLean County landfill having to close, moving our landfill and our, all of our solid waste stuff that's going to be going to Pontiac um, and increase costs and fees with that. The aging infrastructure of McLean County, um, roads and bridges, um, fire stations. I mean, these are things that we have to have better conversations. And I think that Democrats being in those positions are going to ask questions that are more in line with our thoughts and feelings and beliefs than the individuals rather than, um, well, this is the way it's always been done. It is the single answer that makes me absolutely lose my mind. (laughs) Well, this is the way that it's always been done. And this kind of hits, I'm sure you're probably going to ask me at some point in time just because I'm assuming it would come up, would be the questions about civility. And I've listened to a lot about civility and I'm just not going to take it from Republicans when it comes time to questions about civility. Um, Part of the problem is, is that there's been nothing for Democrats to be civil about because we haven't really, we haven't really existed as an opposition party in McLean County. So the Republicans have had this long period of basically one party rule. So now an organized Democratic Party starts to put up candidates for local office and challenge the things that are being said by Republican candidates. And the Republican candidates feel that to question decisions is uncivil. And, and, and take, so I think the best example of that, and I know that, I know it's not going to be popular that I'm going to, you know, call her Kathy Trump. Um, I think that Kathy Michael is the same person, the same narcissistic sort of a mindset that any question that comes her way, she then blows up basically doesn't want to have anything to do with it, that you can't question that authority, that it's an attack. It's an attack on her personality. It's an attack on her staff. That This happened at the finance committee. Um, she then goes on on multiple rants on social media. And when I say rants, I mean, I'm being nice. I mean, they were incoherent. Um, they were misspelled. Um, she couldn't spell Carlo's name about, you know, 15 times in the one document that I think it was on WGLT where she, she posted her her small manifesto. Um, Democrats now that are on the county board, and it happened, you know, it just happened there were so many fewer of us that, you know, um, back when I was on the board, are asking questions. Well, why did you do this? Well, how dare you? And and all of a sudden, this this is this is not civil. This is Chicago politics that we ask questions. And if that means that that's Chicago politics, then call us guilty. Um, I believe in Chicago politics if it means asking questions. I believe that's the one responsibility of every elected official is to be able to ask other elected officials questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, so. I, I saw a spectrum um, in this last race where I would definitely put the county clerk's race as mm-hmm. the most contentious. Sure. And, Dirty. Um, I would say it's fair to say from you know it was coming from both sides that that was a that was a mud fight in there. Um, then there were also some where they were extremely um, cordial. Cordial, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, that seems like a way of you know, feeling out the the ways to interact with these various people and mm-hmm. to be challengers for the first mm-hmm. time, right? Um, do you? 
from your perspective, do you feel like um, like the Democrats did contribute to the negativity of that of that clerk race, or so, um, or do you think they were responding? I think that from and this is not a party thing. This becomes this was Nikita Richards' race, right? Mm-hmm. This was you know how she ran her race was her choice. I never once sat down with Nikita Richards and said, "I want you to say this." Like that's just not that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people need to understand. I sat on an oversight committee with Kathy Michael for uh, I think it was six years. Um, there was no way that that race didn't go the way that it turned out. That's just the type of person that Kathy Michael is. Every question or every criticism of the way she runs her office, then she gets super heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, is she taking it personal? She in your takes, opinion? and that's that's why I equate her with Donald Trump. It's the same thing. Is that it's a personal affront. Every question about um, her decisions, you know, she 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 takes it. She'll she rolls her staff out as if they're meat shields, right? You can't you can't criticize her without her staff getting. How dare you say these things about my staff? No, 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 no. You're the leader. We're criticizing you, not your staff. Your staff does what they're told to do by the elected county clerk. And this is, you know, it's it's a systemic problem. You can't claim civility and, and say that, well, things need to be a little bit nicer in McLean County yeah. and then have a person that goes out and blasts, right? At that meeting, I'm never gonna come back to this, you know, to this to this board again and, and give these things be if this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um I don't understand that mindset. Do I think that, uh, you know, personally, I know this is probably isn't going to be very popular. Do I think that Nikita threw, uh, I think that Nikita threw some punches back at Kathy Michael, and I think that that was well-placed. I don't have problems with that. I, I wish that, you know, and dirty politics, whatever it is that that means, sometimes we get a little contentious. Sometimes it does get a little bit personal. Um, sure, I would love to be able to avoid that in every single time, and we have nothing but kumbaya races that certainly exist on the, on the up and up, and all we do is discuss uh, policy positions. But you know, listen from Kathy Michael's perspective, this was her, this is her job, this is her profession, this is what she made a hundred percent of her living doing, mm-hmm. um, and so she's going to fight. Um, sh- I think she fought dirty too. Um, now, when I say too, that means that I, I think that Nikita didn't. I don't. Um, I think that Nikita responded. Okay. So you talked about um, electing more Democrats and, and the way we get our uh, democratic voices heard more is to have more people on committees and mm-hmm. making those those decisions. You had some success of that in 2018 as a yep, party. We did. T- talk about the success that you had in 18 and then what you hope to come up with here in the next cycle. Awesome. Yeah. So in 2018, that's the calm before the storm. Um, when when our um, when our new organization took over, that slate had already been set. Um, a lot of we, we just kind of had to come in and deal with what you know. It's not that we would have changed anything, but we probably would have recruited some more candidates. Um, and so we did the best with what we could, and the best was pretty darn good. Um, really, where, where was the board before? So we were fifteen. We were fifteen five, counting Sago. Um, uh, it was being nice this time. Um, now, uh, so Segoviano's seat flipped. Um, Logan Smith unseated uh, Mark Johnson in four. Uh, Lizzie Johnston unseated David Selzer in five. Sharon Chung unseated uh, Ryan Scritchlow in seven. Uh, and the only loss that we had was losing my seat, um, David Parker, in a, in a nail-biter. Um, lost it to Lindsey Bloomfeld. Um, and so pretty much every place that we ran, and, and then Nikita lost. Um, you look at the other things that we were successful with, um, defeating the um, uh, the BEC uh, ballot initiative. Um, Betsy Dirksen Lonergan won 65-35 in McLean County. Um, by every measure, um, we, we gave it to the Republican Party in 2018. And if they think that that was was impressive wait to 2020 um, this operation will be clicking on all cylinders our goal is to um, and and this is an ambitious goal it's to have every single Republican challenged uh, in this next election I personally believe that every Republican needs a Democratic challenger if you don't have a choice on the ballot that's a coronation and not an election uh, we should give people in McLean County a choice um, we will organize and I believe I'll say it here to you guys I say it to anybody that'll stick a microphone in front of my face, this county will go blue in 2020. 
So if true, if, if, if 2020 is going to be a bigger year for the Democrats than 2018 locally, um, this should also be true. And I think Connie uh, said this when she was on. They're going to be way more prepared. Yeah. Right. Because they were taken back in 2018. Sure. Which, and, I, and I don't fully fault them for that because when you have Republicans have control as long as they have, uh, you get comfortable. Yep. And then the Democratic, uh, local Democratic Party came out of kind of nowhere. Sure. With the amount of numbers of volunteers they had. But now they saw it. So now they're going to be much more prepared. Um, do you think it's going to be a more um, – it's, it's going to be a more contentious race, but how about civil? Like how how do you think that's – I mean, we saw one race with Nikki and Kathy be pretty sure. pretty mudslinging, as Tyson put it. Yeah. Is, are we going to see that? Is it going to be just I'd say, a – say Shana and Paul's was pretty bad. Too. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty – yeah. I mean, I, so here's the – as far as I'm concerned – Blue on blue crime. Strap in, get ready, right? If if you define civility as an exchange of ideas where one side's not going to agree with the other, then this is going to be the most uncivil election you have ever experienced before in your life. If, in fact, what you, you see as as being civil is, is that exchange and that it's necessary, hopefully it doesn't get personal, that's not going to be something that we're going to encourage anybody to do, um, then, then yes. But what I, what I think that we will see um, very clearly, I mean, all of the indicators, yes, the, we were the sleeping giant in the, yeah. last, in the last election, and, but they have to be able to have the bandwidth to be able to respond to us, and I'm going to, they, they don't, I'm telling you now, they don't have the ability to do it, and anything that they do, I'm going to go out um, with the help of every member of the Democratic Party, and we're going to, we're going to recruit two extra people for every person that they get new to their party. Do you are you scared that you're not going to have the volunteers on a local level because of a Trump race? No, I think that Trump is the gift that keeps on giving. I think he has been delivering. So when we took over, um, the, the the party has had from our from our fundraisers that we have our two two main ones that we have per year. Average was 150. Really good years we'll have. You know we might get possibly to 200. We did like in 2008 when Obama ran the very first time. We now have had our last two and now into our third fundraiser where we have sold out each time. We now have not just sold out the place that we're, we're going to be having at the Radisson, um, but we have now basically hit it at fire code. We can't put another person in that room. This is where the energy is going. This is in 2019. It's not even in 2020 yet. Wait until the Democrats have set on a set on an individual. Wait till we have a slate of people. Every time, one of the things that I've complained about the most is maybe say, what's the hardest thing about being chair? I said, non non election years. And they're like, why? I said, well, part of the problem is is that you kind of train your fire on yourselves because there's no other to campaign against. We're just about ready to come out of that, and we're going to be able to have our others, right? And so when we get to put our full energy and our full effort to look forward to competing against the Republicans, I think you're going to see energized people up and down the line. We just, for the first time in our McLean County history, we just have now, we've, we've now exceeded um, the highest amount of money that we have ever raised as McLean County Democrats. That's, that's you know, we, we heard all the time, oh, you guys got all this, you know, this money infused to you from JB. Forget JB, if he didn't give us a dime, we still broke every single fundraising record that this county has ever had. So that was an argument Connie Beard had brought up when we spoke to her. Uh, she talked about Democrats getting a lot of Chicago yeah. money and outside money. Um, and your answer to that is take away all that, we still... Doesn't matter. Yeah. And even if, um, it's interesting how... When we look at, I, I, so I'm so I'm to assume that all money that has ever come into the McLean County Republican Party has only ever been from McLean County. I have a hard time believing that's true. Um, and even if that was true, the because the money that was filtered through, um, you know, the some the, the amount that we did get, um, uh, well, everybody thought that it came from J.B. Pritzker. Yes chunks of it did, but it was also that the Illinois Democratic County Chairs Association was going out independently and they were raising money from other organizations because I think J.B. Pritzker had a monumental idea that he said, you know what is the best way that I could possibly help my party is to help it from the bottom up rather than use it just to sit at the top and hope that that trickles down to other people. I know this sounds fairly similar, right? Is that the Democrats, he's like, we want to give it to local parties because they know best 
what to do with that money. And why was that important to J.B. Pritzker and a lot of the other you know, upper echelons of the Democratic Party in Illinois? Because they knew that that money would percolate up into their state candidates, into their countywide races, and into those other offices. And what did you see? Now the Democrats have you know, super majority proof you know, numbers uh, in the state uh, General Assembly. Um, we saw many counties start to elect people that haven't had Democrats be elected in those places ever. Um, that's our goal here, too, in McLean County, not just to turn McLean County blue. We want to, for the first time, be able to have the have the majority or as close to the majority as we can get on the county board and to, and to win some countywide races. I mean, the, we haven't, to the last time that I know, um, history is slightly sketchy when it comes time to, when was the last time we had a countywide Democrat? That was in the 70s. Um, and then that Democrat promptly switched to become a Republican because he wanted to get reelected. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're, that's the area that we're going for. Yeah, so we're going into history territory. What's your biggest challenge coming up then in 2020? All of that. That's yeah, said, yeah, I know. Right? Like, it sounded good. Uh, but yeah, what do you think yeah. your biggest challenge is? It's to continue. It's to take all So honestly... To take all of the people that are interested and get them plugged into the right places. Mm -hmm. um, every party deals with um, the Pareto principle. Most people, I think, are pretty familiar with it. 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Um, I, I've said from time to time, I'd be happy if we had 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Um, but there are some really big activists. Um, but we've got to make sure that when a person says, hey, I'm interested, we put them to work. We find a place where they want to work. You know, I don't want to knock on doors. Great, then we can have you help with this fundraiser. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do anything with fundraisers, but I love knocking doors. Oh, my God, you're the greatest thing I've ever heard before in my life. Um, but So that's going to be the biggest challenge is, is, is yes, of doing all of the work that we need to beforehand to create um, all of our marching orders. Um, so what to do for GOTV, what to do for our ground game, um, and then to actually put that in put that into place. Um, and for us, too, I mean, obviously there are plenty of things. I'm, I'm going to quietly hold some of what I'm really looking to do uh, kind of close to the chest because, you know, obviously we want to do some things that are new and unique that uh, we want to make sure that we keep our Republican uh, opponents flat-footed. And so there's going to be a lot of things coming up in this next election cycle. Very cool. Well, uh, if people want to learn more or get involved with the McLean County Democrats, can you give us some places they can go? You got it, McLeanCountyDemocrats.org. They can jump on, check out our webpage. Um, we have a robust, one of the best in the state social media programs. Um, so you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, all you have to do is search for McLean County Democrats and you'll find us. Uh, we're extremely responsive for people that are interested. Um, and our monthly meetings are always every third Thursday of the month at 6 p.m. at the Radisson uh, in North Normal. Uh, we'd love to have people come out um, and, uh, and get involved in any way it is that they, they see. In the meantime, keep your eyes peeled. Um, we're going to be opening online stores so people can go out and purchase Dem swag so they can wear to Labor Day parades and they can wear to, you know, you really want to make your crazy uncle upset at uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas. We've got the uh, T-shirts the and the pop sockets and the hats for you to do so. And your office is located in downtown Bloomington? Yep, downtown Bloomington, right across from um, some punk uh, uh, country uh, country representative. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're just uh, we're just two stores uh, to the right from Reality Bites. Um, so come down and see us next to Wilson Cycle as well. Plenty of parking in downtown Bloomington. If you can't get on-street parking, you've got a great parking deck around the corner. Um, and, heck, if you come down and visit us, please make sure that you visit and patronize some of the other local businesses in downtown Bloomington. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Eric Rankin, chair of the McLean County Democrats. We appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so now's when we usually do a thank you to our sponsor. Uh, is this your first time in uh, Play Normal Esports? It is my first time here. This place is cool. What was your reaction when you walked in? What caught your eye? The, well, so all the computer screens, everybody's playing Fortnite. Like, <laughs> if I was a kid, I would have just gone nuts for a place like this. This place is fantastic. Uh, and they do birthday parties and lock-ins and all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Uh, yeah. PlayNormalEsports.com. You can find out all that. Yeah. Cool. We done with this one, too? Let's be done. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
And then we oh, bicep looks huge in that picture. Oh, I like it. Yeah. You're using that one. You're using that one. But that wasn't even no nothing. We started talking shit. Remember, His bicep yeah. started growing. <laughs> Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yes, uh, I'm going to do that from now on. 